Hi, everyone. This is Chris McGregor bringing you another special In Conversation, a series of recordings that my husband Bruce and I had a few years ago. And in this particular episode, I wanted to bring you a conversation we had with the late Father Andrew Apostoli. I've been very blessed to have had the opportunity to speak with Father Apostoli on many different occasions, but this particular conversation was our first, and he was so generous with his time. What was supposed to be a 20-minute interview ended up being a long hour-and-a-half conversation between Father Apostoli, myself, and Bruce. 50 minutes of it was recorded for this particular broadcast, and he provided for all of us really solid advice for the spiritual journey. Father Apostoli died on the morning of December 13, 2017, the day after the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, who just happens to be the patroness of the community he co-founded with Father Benedict Rochelle, the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. His legacy is a tremendous one, and his presence in this world will be greatly missed. We hope you enjoy this conversation we had with Father Andrew Apostoli. God bless. Chris, today, honored would be the word we have with us, Father Andrew Apostoli. Father, of course, a member of the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal and a frequent host on EWTN. Uh, He leads retreats nationally and is the vice postulator for the cause for the canonization of Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Father Apostoli is the author of numerous books, including last year's Paraclete, The Spirit of Truth in the Church, and a book that we're going to be discussing today is latest, Walk Humbly with Your God, Simple Steps to a Virtuous Life. Father Andrew, good morning and welcome. We're delighted to have you with us. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Chris. It's a pleasure to be on your program today and to uh, be uh, having a chance to speak to your listening audience. Father, we are just so humbled to have you with us, actually, because I think your book, Walk Humbly with Your God, Simple Steps to a Virtuous Life, is so important right now. And I have to be honest with you, Father, the book that I have is already, the spine is broken. <laughs> I, mean, I have opened it up. another one, Chris. Okay. <laughs> it looks like it's two years old, Father. Well, <laughs> Father, let me tell you, a whole bunch of my friends, are get, I've already gone out and picked up copies of the book to pass on to them because I think you've been able to sum up what many of the spiritual teachers have been trying to teach us, and you've made it very easy for us to enter in and begin to take that walk. And I just think this is just an outstanding tool. Again, I have this ready for some people I know that have, who in their hearts think they know this all already. But you have such a great way of uh, putting it that I know you'll it'll break it open for them even more. Well, uh, Chris, thank you for that. And uh, I, I just try to share the message as I, um, you know, experience it for myself. I try to um, share the fruit of my own experience, my own meditations, and so on. And I think I take um, a lead from my spiritual father, uh, Archbishop Sheen, um, in terms of the way he taught. See, I am basically uh, a teacher. I teach uh, our young brothers and sisters, you know, with the Friars of the Renewal and the Sisters of the Renewal, Franciscan Sisters of Renewal. I teach them about prayer. I teach them about the vows. And uh, I also teach at St. Joseph's Seminary. So I, I've been over the years a teacher. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I learned from Bishop Sheen is that you've got to make it simple enough for people to understand it. You know, mm-hmm. He tells a story where one time he was giving an intellectual sermon, and um, when it was done, two priests commented, that was a fine talk, Bishop Sheen. And he said, well, can you tell me what I said? Neither one could tell him what he had said. <laughs> So he decided from then on, I'm never going to say something that people can't comprehend. And, and so I think that's uh, what I've tried to present is the spiritual life, these values, in simple words. And I think that really follows the example of St. Paul. I mean, he had said, if I'm not mistaken, Father, the New Testament, that the Christian message really is a simple message. You don't have to be the great intellect to be able to take in the, the truths of Christ. That's correct. Yeah, and don't be afraid to say it. Many times over, so it gets through the head. (laughs) (laughs) Many of us need to hear it many times. Father, let's talk about a concept. I think of the word love, and and, and many times it's an overabused word, and uh, you you express love to people and everything else. One of the others, too, I think that, and I had a conversation with someone about this the other day, was the concept of mentioning that I would pray for you. I mean, really, the importance of prayer is first and foremost. 
you point out that the lack of a prayer life, lack of spending time in prayer, inevitably brings really disastrous consequences. That's true. You know, St. Augustine said that God made us without us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In other words, he didn't, none of us were asked if we wanted to come into this world. We just showed up. Huh? Our parents conceived us, cooperating with God's grace, and um, here we are. So he made us without us. But St. Augustine went on to say, but he will not save us without us. Mm-hmm. So God wants our cooperation. That's a sign of our love for him. See, we care enough to cooperate with his grace, and um, God gives us the different, what we call, means to cooperate with him. So, for example, we have the sacraments, our means by which receiving them, we cooperate with God's grace, we uh, grow to love him more, to maybe confession, we repent of our sins, uh, um, married life, a beautiful couple that you are, a beautiful couple, and your marriage is a sacrament binding your lives together uh, in a love that is sacred and uh, very pleasing to Almighty God. You grow in your sacrament. I I receive the sacrament of holy orders, and I have to grow in that. So these are means. But the means that's most available to everyone is prayer, because you can pray anytime, anywhere. And I think that's what you've done so beautifully in the book, is you've helped give us that roadmap. There's this beautiful image on the front of the book where they have walking down a path and, you know, surrounded by, you know, God's creation. And you're, and I, I think, as you point out, that the prayer is how you move yourself down that, that road. That's correct, yes. And, um, uh, you know, when you're praying, your relationship to God is growing very, very real. Remember years ago when they had the Death of God movement? Oh, yeah. Um, I saw one of the best responses to that whole idea of the Death of God was on a little bumper sticker, and it said, My God is alive and well. I just spoke to him this morning. Oh, good. <laughs> and you, 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 through prayer, you realize God is there. God is real. God is, you know, and the more you pray, the more you reach out to him, the more God becomes the overwhelming reality of your life. Oh, I, that's beautifully said. Mm-hmm. You know, and one of the greatest prayers that we have, uh, you know, for us is the Mass. And I, I love what the quote that you have from Archbishop Sheen, where, and I'm going to not quote it properly, I'm sure, but many people don't get the Mass because they don't put anything into it. And you say that includes prayer. When you, uh, you, need, to, you need to pray, you, you've got to do your part, and, and certainly the Lord um, blesses that uh, relationship of prayer. It does grow and develop. I see, I think many, many of our Catholic people are not aware that their spiritual life actually goes through stages that parallel the growth of our physical life. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the, from the moment of conception to birth, you know, that's kind of like a period of pre-conversion in a person's life, but birth brings them to life, you know, out, outside of the womb of the mother. So baptism brings us to a new birth. Jesus himself used that analogy. Uh, speaking of baptism, he said it is to be born from above, born of water and the Spirit. And then we go through the stages, childhood, um, then we move through puberty into adolescence, and then we move from there right into adulthood, and then you've got a young adult, a middle age, and then a senior citizen. So the, the, the example of our natural life, the stages of, of life that we go through, are paralleled in the spiritual life, too, you know. And mm-hmm. prayer will change as you go through those, those various uh, stages. Right. Now, Father, obviously Jesus gave us a lot of signs, indications, and things in, in how to live a, a wonderful life pleasing to God. What did the Master pray for? Well, you know, it's interesting. I especially encourage people, your listeners, uh, uh, Bruce, that uh, they would pick up the Gospel of St. Luke, and they will be amazed at how many times St. Luke refers to the fact that Jesus prayed. Mm -hmm. He prayed after his baptism. He prayed when he was going to choose the apostles. Another time he went off to pray, and when the apostles watched him pray, they said to him afterwards, Lord, teach us also how to pray. And that's when he taught them the Lord's Prayer. Um, he prayed, of course, um, and the Transfiguration, which the other uh, Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels of Matthew and Mark, they mention the Transfiguration, but they don't mention, like St. Luke does, 
the fact that when Jesus was transfigured, he was praying. And some of his themes were, you know, to praise the Father. You know, he said, Father, I praise you. Um, you have revealed these things to the, the little ones. Um, so the, the Lord gave a prayer of praise. We know he gave thanks. It is said at the Last Supper that when he took bread into his hands, that he was going to transform into his body, and the cup of wine that he would transform into his blood, he gave thanks. So uh, the prayer of thanksgiving, um, and uh, often that seemed to have been a theme in our Lord's Prayer, you know, and that's, that's very important for our people today to remember the prayer of thanks. Mm-hmm. Right. Thank the Lord for his blessing. Then, remember, the Gospel tells us that Jesus prayed for the disciples, and he particularly prayed, if you remember, for St. Peter. He told Peter at the Last Supper, he said, you know, Satan has wanted to sift you like wheat. Mm-hmm. He said, all of you, but I have prayed for you, and, and that you, by the way, in Greek, is singular. So he was, he was telling uh, Peter that though Satan wanted all the apostles, but above all, Jesus was praying for Peter, and he said to Peter, once your strength has been reconfirmed, you know, he mm-hmm. knew, of course, the fall that Peter would have. He said, you in turn must strengthen your brothers. So he prayed for the disciples. Uh, he prayed before he chose them, uh, you know, the apostles that spent the night in prayer there, you know. And, of course, probably the prayer that's always hardest in our life is the prayer that Jesus had in the garden when he he said, Father, all things are possible to you. Let this cup pass me by. Yet, not what I will, but what your will. Your will be done. And he accepted the, um, the cup of suffering that the Father, you know, prepared for him through which the redemption of the world would take place. So, he, you know, I remember years ago reading the, from the writings of St. Alphonsus Liguori, who was a great writer on prayer, and uh, he said that when Jesus said that prayer, he was encouraging each one of us that when trials come, we can ask the Lord even once to take that trial away. But if the Lord doesn't, I mean, we may petition him again. Even St. Paul asked three times to have his cross taken away, but the Lord said no, you know, in that case. Mm -hmm. But um, we're encouraged to ask the Lord that if it be his will, he may take that cup from us. But if not, we ask him for the strength to, to deal with that. You know, mm-hmm. so our Lord Himself had that that prayer uh, that He that He prayed, right. and we can't even begin to understand suffering or how that can help us grow in the virtuous life if we don't begin with prayer. If so many of uh, people, and I know even myself, I, I'd like to think at least the beginning in my spiritual life wasn't sure how to start, and yet the Church has these the richness of our formal prayers that are available to us, that in itself, I, I think you quoted, well, my patron, St. Uh, Teresa of Avila, who, who talks about how some people move so far in the spiritual life just by sincerely entering into formal prayer. That's correct. She said she, said she had known sisters, uh, religious, uh, I guess, in her community, people that she had, had contact with who had grown very far in the spiritual life, yes, just using a formal prayer, uh, just in case your readers are not familiar with the idea, formal prayer is, of course, using the words, a formula of words that uh, someone else has given us. Of course, our Lord himself used that when the apostles asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray, and he taught them the prayer we call the Lord's Prayer, had the most perfect prayer of all. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have the Hail Mary, the Glory Be, um, the Hail Holy Queen, many of our favorite prayers. You know, uh, my mother always liked the prayer of St. Francis. She she always told me that uh, that was one of her favorites. One of my favorites is the Memorare. Mm. Oh, yeah. I, 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 every time I say those opening words, you know, remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection implored your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. You know, after a beginning like that, I always point out, how could the Blessed Mother say no? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a mom. I Absolutely, if a kid came to me and said that. But right on the spot. Huh? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Father, I there are times when I have been petrified for a child or just or suffered a loss of a parent or some type of fear where I can't think of anything. But when I say the Hail Mary, that's enough. It helps bring you close. It's like a great net that just kind of carries you along when you don't know what else to say. That's correct, yes. And, and of course, the first half of that, of course, is, is strictly 
very biblical gospel, mm-hmm. uh, you know, right? The words of the gospel, right? The mm-hmm. angel, that is the angel Gabriel announcing to Mary, and then the words were added on there further on, uh, the words of St. Elizabeth, you know, to Our Lady, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Um, the Church added the last part, so we have that prayer which um, expresses so much, particularly for us as Catholics, we we have that kind of um, very, very sensitive, uh, gentle love for Mary. She mm-hmm. always seems to bring us, doesn't she, like a yep. mother would. She yep. brings us a kind of gentleness and kindness, compassion, um, and it's uh, we need that we need that we're we're kind of lifted up by thinking about our our mother uh i know for me you know much of my life i i focus on going to jesus through mary you know that bishop sheen drew, had as his motto uh, when he became a bishop he had put on his coat of arms a latin phrase da per matrum me venire may i come to you through your mother he always used to say, he said, I hope I die, that when I die, he said, I'll go before Jesus in my judgment, and Jesus is going to say to me, I know all about you. My mother told me all about you. <laughs> absolutely. So that, that's the one we want putting in the good word for us. Though. Amen. Oh, pl- yes, absolutely. <laughs> one of the things, though, when we begin our spiritual life, and as you point out, because you're so good at helping us with those stumbling blocks that will fall in our way, especially in the beginning of the spiritual life, are distractions. And that can really frustrate people. They just Sometimes people are just too hard on themselves when it comes to distractions. That's right. You know, um, it's not possible to go for any real length of time without a distraction. There's a famous story of St. Bernard of Clairvaux. Uh, he was talking to another monk, and um, uh, he told the monk that you can't go for like more than 20, 25 seconds without a distraction. And the monk said, no, that, that's not true. I can do more than that. And St. Bernard, I guess he, he had ridden to his horse to wherever he was. Uh, he had met this monk. And he said to the monk, I'll give you my horse if you can right now meditate for 25 seconds without a distraction. So the monk began to meditate. And about 10 seconds into the meditation, he turns to St. Bernard and he says, by the way, will you include the, the saddle? You know, <laughs> so he never made it with twenty-five seconds, and, um, and and so you know it's it's important um, as you pointed out, Chris, that distractions are part of our um, experience. So first of all, you know, you may start praying and you're tired, mm-hmm. or you're preoccupied with a worry or a concern. You know, maybe you got to get dinner ready, or you you're supposed to be at a meeting by a certain time, or uh, you're at work and you're going to meet the boss and you, you've got to give um, some kind of presentation or whatever it may be. It could be a priest having to prepare a sermon, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we're preoccupied. Other times, um, or just our imagination starts to kind of move in its own direction. But I think what's important is to realize that the, there are, to make a distinction between a, a distraction which is voluntary or willful, I know I'm distracted, and I keep on be, being distracted, or I go in the direction of a distraction, mm-hmm. as opposed to what we call an involuntary distraction, which can come because your imagination starts to get different images coming on it while you're praying. And by the way, that does happen. And I should even point out that sometimes, even during prayer, you may get temptations. Um, it could be against charity, could be against chastity, uh, could be of anger. Uh, don't be surprised. The reason is you're focusing, and sometimes the devil tries to put a, an image there uh, or even recall to your memory. Sometimes maybe someone who upset you or you've had a rough day, and uh, sometimes the causes of that may come back to you during prayer. Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't want it, but oftentimes they bring a strong emotional reaction with them. Right, right. And, and the best thing is... Um, Gently bring yourself back to focus, and if the if the distraction has got a lot of strong emotion, I even suggest sometimes kind of look at that distraction and bring it right into the prayer. In other words, I've had a hard time uh, during the day, or I'm preoccupied. Maybe the best thing for me to do is to pray with Jesus, talk to Jesus about the thing that's bothering me, you know, right. or preoccupying me. Lord, I need your help 
For example, if a priest writing a sermon, uh, uh, Lord, I need your help with this sermon. And Lord, what would you want me to say to your people? You know, mm-hmm. uh, something like that can be a wonderful introduction to a, a beautiful thought, or even to focusing on. If you're saying the Rosary, for example, um, you may focus on the word, you may focus on the mystery, um, whatever it may be. But I have found that sometimes when distractions are very strong emotionally and overwhelming and so on, preoccupying, sometimes the best thing is just draw it right into the prayer and pray to God about that. You know, talk to him a little bit about that. Beautiful advice. Yeah. Um, Father, you talk about several types of prayer. I'd like to uh, address prayer of the mind. Uh, You point out it's a must for growth in Christian holiness. Yes, that's a... See, in, the, in the, the first stages there, Bruce, of Christian prayer, we, have, we always speak of three of them. Uh, mm-hmm. The Eastern Church, they have a very simple way of expressing it. They start off by saying the first prayer we come to, basically, in our spiritual life is the prayer of the lips. Mm-hmm. That's the formal prayers we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Then when you grow spiritually, your mind wants to delve deeper. And so you may, for example, read a story of the Gospel or uh, get a... a something of the writings of St. Paul, and you begin to reflect on that. It could even be an incident that happened to you in your life, and you begin to see the hand of God. And that's what we call meditation. You begin to reflect, and you 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 start asking questions. Why did this happen? Supposing it happened to me, you know, you can ask yourself, you know, in the Gospel stories, that's a good way to meditate on them, even the mysteries of the Rosary. Mm -hmm. Simply put yourself into that story, and ask yourself, what, it, what would have been my impression or my reaction? Uh, let me give you a simple example. Take the third joyful mystery, the, um, the, the birth of Jesus, and you say, well, supposing I were one of the shepherds mm-hmm. or one of the wise men. I won't call them wise guys. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the wise men. Huh? Um, uh, you know, what would I have brought to Jesus? Uh, what would have been my reaction to seeing a child in the manger, what would that tell me about God's love for me, being so humble? You know, see, there's so many things you could do with the uh, reflections on, uh, particularly the gospel stories and the words of Jesus and the writings of the saints. There are so many things that we we can reflect on with great spiritual profit. Mm-hmm. And the this meditating, reflecting, what does it mean to me, for example? Um, how would I, I hear, for example, if you read the Sermon on the Mount and you hear, for example, Jesus uh, say, do not judge, you know, um, um, the measure, you know, forgiven, you will be forgiven. And you might begin to look at your life in, in terms of, you know, how quick do I forgive someone who's hurt me or maybe I'm, I feel offended, somebody forgot about me, they didn't remember my birthday or um, they just took me for granted, you know. How quick am I to be able to forgive that? Or maybe am I holding on to an ill feeling against uh, my brother or sister in Christ, you know? And so this is where reflection, you start to really make the gospel become very personal to you. And that's, that's important. And then the heart begins to be moved. That's the third step. By the right. way. You go from the prayer of the lips to the prayer of the mind. And then you end up at the prayer of the heart. In other words, my heart starts to want to respond. Maybe I see Jesus' love, um, um, you know, or I feel encouraged. Uh, there's so many instances where we can apply this kind of thing, but that's the general flow of our prayer life. Again, we use formal prayers to start off with. We get a little, we get a little bit more into wanting to know more, to be a little deeper. And then we get to the point with that prayer of the heart where we want to speak to Jesus more in our own words. So often when we get to that prayer of the heart, too, there we'll, we'll find Our Lady who will be encouraging us in that to just, you know, be spontaneous and have conversations with God. You know, and if you can get to the point where you're doing that every day, as you point out, you really have a relationship. That's true. You're very right, Chris. Yes, because... Um, we, we don't generally speak uh, at ease with someone unless we know them, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, so to to grow in that comfortableness is, is a good sign of getting to know Jesus, getting to know his Holy Mother in our, our daily lives. 
I think it's so important that in the beginning of the book, when I was first reading it, I anticipated seeing so much on the virtues, but I see the complete wisdom and understanding that you have to start with prayer. Otherwise, it's impossible to live a virtuous life. It's correct. You know, if you're going to practice charity, for example, charity and maybe your thoughts, uh, you know, a person who may be struggling, they may have a tendency to judge people or uh, find fault or something like that. Well, they need to they need to really bring that attitude to, to prayer and say, you know, Lord, you said in the gospel, why do I see the speck in my brother and my sister's eye and I'm missing a log in my own eye? Right. Lord, I got so many faults of my own. Help me to concentrate on my own faults, and then I'll be less preoccupied with concentrating on the faults of my brother or my sister. Yeah. See, that's, that's how prayer begins to really affect the way we live. And that's important. You have to translate prayer. If all we have is a, a prayer life that, you know, I want to feel good and I, I want this emotional experience with mm-hmm. God or something like that, that's kind of spinning wheels on a bicycle, but not the wheels are not touching the ground, you know? Right. It's not going to get you down that path. <laughs> That's right. You've been yeah. in the same place <laughs> for a long time, you yeah. know? So you, you need to, uh, if we could use the old expression, where the rubber meets the road, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where prayer has to be the thing that really challenges us to grow. And, and you know, uh, you should also uh, mention that... Um, Sometimes the Lord will bring up things that we may feel a little bit uncomfortable with. You know, sometimes I think people don't want to pray because maybe they've done something wrong and they know Jesus is going to bring this up to me, mm-hmm. right? Yep. That's oh, yeah. right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're like little kids. I don't want to face my parents because, you know, they're going to find out that I was naughty in school or I, you know, started a fight with the neighbor's kid or something, and I, I'm afraid to talk to them because they're going to know about it. And uh, But, you know... God is gentle, and uh, when we're willing to um, deal with those things, he's very gentle with us. And I always use the example of St. Margaret Mary. Mm-hmm. She, she had some, written some kind of autobiography, or at least some bi- autobiographical notes on her life, and she tells us in her experience of prayer, she said that whenever I tried to tell Jesus about my faults, that I was sorry for them, he wouldn't even listen to me. She said, but if I was getting a bit proud, he was constantly pointing out my faults. In other words, if we're humble and admit it, he doesn't have to, you know, bring it home to us. We know it. We're admitting it, see? It's when we don't admit it that he has to be a little bit more precise. Well, what about this? And you better take care of that, huh? That's right. Kind of uh, like a parent maybe reminding their children, I told you to take out the garbage or take the dog out, you know? walk the dog or something like that, and uh, or clean your room. Huh? You've been at our house, I can tell. <laughs> You've been talking to our kids. Well, those are loving, those are loving reminders uh, from parents who care. Yeah. And, and that's what Jesus does, because he loves us. He says these things. Yeah. He doesn't say them to hurt us. The Lord is not a masochist. And masochistic people take pleasure in other people being in pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Lord does not do that. Pain is only necessary. The cross is only important to us because when we experience the cross, it makes us a bit more sober than mm-hmm. when things are going well. Isn't yeah. that correct? You know, and yes, like yes. when everything, we get very comfortable. But when things get a little, you know, you get a little turbulence on the airplane, what does the pilot say? Fasten your, your, your seatbelt, right? You, know, yep. you get that announcement over the PA. And, um, so it is with, um, in life, you know, the Lord has to remind us, and that's the purpose of why sometimes these difficulties happen. God, again, does not rejoice in pain, but he, he sends the crosses, and he'll send difficulties, you know, to remind us. And um, I remember it was the day after 9-11, I was reading a little meditation from Father... Walter Chiswick, you know the Jesuit who was up for canonization? Yes, yes, yes. the one who suffered in the camps in Russia. That's right, yes. that's right. And he said, you know, when we sometimes get too comfortable, he says, God will, will really send something to, um, to remind us of our need for him. And then he says, sometimes he may even turn our whole world 
upside down. Now, I read that the day after 9-11, and you know what that struck me? I said, you know what? Jesus just did that yesterday. Mm-hmm. For a lot of people, he turned their world upside down. That was such a shock, all right? That was yep. such a, you know, Father Benedict Grishel <laughs> used to say, a word from our sponsor. Yeah. Right. You know? Yes. A powerful reminder. You need me. Don't think you can do this by yourself. Sometimes we get lulled into that, and that's where I think, you know, when we said at the beginning of the show, um, a lot of the things, especially with life today, people thinking we can abort babies, we can um, destroy embryonic stem cells. This is life. You know, all that blood that's being shed, innocent blood, all those lives that are being crushed out, it's all crying to God. God will hear that, and... God forbid we get the we get the, the you know the the, the uh, punishment to um, make reparation for that. It's yeah. going to be an awful day. That's why we need to make reparation now, so that God will spare us. Just like you know when when God sent Jonah up to the city of Nineveh to do, you know, He said in thirty days I think it was that Nineveh would be destroyed, and the people did penance, and so God did not inflict punishment on the people. And that's what we need. We need to make reparation for these uh, terrible sins against life, because life is a gift of God, sacred. All I could think of was the day after was that God forgive them because they really don't realize what they've just done. Mm -hmm. They don't know what they've just done. Right, that's the hope, you know, because if there were some that did know what they were doing, I mean, you you know, what a terrible judgment will fall upon those people, Mm -hmm. you know. Right. I mean, to destroy a life, you know, and, and a lot of it we know. I know Father Benedict spoke about this on, on one of his TV shows. He says a lot of it is for money. Oh, they know isn't that, that the there's worst? not been any measurable success with embryonic stem cells. In other words, the, the destroying of the unborn. Right. There has been great success with adult stem cells, and that's very fine. Yeah. You know, that's great work, but not embryonic. and. One of the reasons why they want government money, I was told, is because no no private company is going to sponsor that. Of course yeah. not. There's nothing to it. Yeah, that's what, it's a dead, dead end street. Yeah, that's what made things so hideous down in Missouri is now the taxpayers are going to have to fund private corporations, and they're not going to reap anything from that. That's right. That's right. You know, there should be a backlash by those people. I don't want my money going to that. You know, just tell the government. I don't want to fund any of that money. Let the people who voted for it fund it, yeah. you know? Really. That's a tragic, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it's like saying, I'm going to pay for people's abortions. Yeah. We don't want to do that. Well, and we really have to pray that the, there's not a further domino effect from that legislation, too, to other states. Well, it causes us all to be vigilant. What will yep. we do? Yep. Will we stand up for Christ? I mean, will we Will we be what who he needs us to be, or will we fall aside and only through prayer are we going to know and have the strength and the grace to be able to accomplish those things don't you think father that's right right uh, we need we need the help of of the lord and uh, uh, i as i mentioned uh, my my devotion to our lady especially our lady of fatima and i always think of her words and her very first apparition uh, when the war world war one was raging and remember they called it the war to end all wars unfortunately it didn't mm-hmm. yeah you know things can get worse and um remember what she said to the children she said i am the only one who can help you again it's so important for us to continue to pray and i think one of the big stumbling blocks for so many i think as you put in the in the book if heaven had a complaint department the biggest complaint would be unanswered prayers <laughs> 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 and That's right. and sometimes, I mean, do we pray wrong, Father? I mean, is it possible to pray wrong? Uh, it is. Uh, St. Augustine said either we can ask for one of three things why prayers are not answered. He said either we ask for the wrong things, and so God as a good parent is not going to give us something that he knows will hurt us. So, for example, all these people who pray to win the lottery. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you hear of stories. I know of one story that uh, people who live not too far from where our parents lived years ago they won like $500,000, and within two years, two of their children were in jail for drugs. Mm. Uh, they had all the kinds of problems in the family, and the mother made a statement one day to someone, uh, you know, the worst day of our life was the day we won the lottery, mm-hmm. because with all that money, 
you know, it just went to our heads, and the kids got involved in drugs, and uh, it just uh, did disaster. You know, so sometimes we think, boy, I'd be so happy if I could win that money, and God knows, maybe that, that would ruin your life, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so sometimes we ask the wrong things, or we're living in the wrong way, you know. Um, right. Sometimes God hears the prayers of a sinner. There's, there's no doubt about it. He, he may hear it to win them by his kindness, but many times he won't. You know, at Fatima, when the, the children asked Our Lady, there were many people asking for cures, will you cure them? And Our Lady said, some will be cured, but others not, because they, they have not turned to God. Mm-hmm. You know, so sometimes we're living a bad kind of life. Or we don't ask in the proper way. By that, um, St. Augustine meant that uh, maybe we don't persevere. Um, maybe we don't pray with real trust. We just may say a few words and think, well, that's, uh, that's it. No, there has to be a real, real trust. The little flower used to say, you're going to get from God what you expect to get. Mm-hmm. And uh, if there's not much depth to the prayer, well, then you kind of wonder, they don't expect to get too much. Right. So that's, um, that's a very important, um, kind of very important thing, you know, to keep in mind, is to, to pray with real trust and perseverance, you know. Um, even St. Anthony, who usually answers our prayers when we, le- we lose something, you know. He certainly he, does. I've often had the experience of praying to him right away, you find something. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's, he's, a couple of times, he's maybe, you know, pray for a long time. And uh, <laughs> um, maybe month, a month or so after I prayed for something that I had to find desperately. And uh, I remember one day a bag in my room, which I never thought would have had this, uh, this thing I was looking for, fell over by accident. I banged against it and fell over, and there was a the thing I was praying for, maybe a month before. But I had prayed a number of prayers to St. Anthony. Usually he answers right away. He's pretty good. Yep, he's usually very, very quick. Uh-huh. And to grow in the spiritual life and to and ultimately to grow in that holiness that we're called for, you really have to practice the virtues. And I kind of love the fact that you, you would you know, top it off with the term, the practice of virtue, because I I recall my daughter trying to play the viola and she had to practice. And the first time she sat down, it would be, boy, there were some sour notes Mm -hmm. that, and we'd be sitting there in the other room going, Ooh, okay. You know, but eventually she got each time she did it, it got better and better. And before you know it, I mean, father, she can just, she plays it just like a maestro. And the thing is, I think that's what it is with virtue. We can try, we have to practice. We're we going to stumble. We're going to make mistakes on these things, but we have to continue until we get to that point. Mm-hmm. But it's hard because one of the biggest things that gets in the way are trials and temptations, and you really help na- help us navigate. You know, I think that's one of the reasons the Lord put it in the in the, our Father and lead us not into temptation because that is probably the biggest of all stumbling blocks. That's right. Yes, uh, that the you know the Lord wants us to uh, to to really trust in Him and uh, to um, uh, spare us from from trials. That's that's the you know in a way uh, the better thing, isn't it? Huh? Mm-hmm. Um, our Lord Himself, our Lord Himself said that uh, to the apostles in the garden. You know that if they prayed, He said, "Pray that you may not enter into the test." Um, and a lot of times, I, I, I do believe, and I see this with prayerful people, when they've prayed, and they've saw, as Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of heaven, and everything else you need will be given to you besides. When we put prayer as a priority, and we, we are faithful in praying, you know, it seems to me that everything else during the day follows in good order. Mm-hmm. It's like prayer keeps distractions, it, tribulation and difficulty, some of it anyway, at a distance. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the person's more calm, they're more at peace, because prayer has given them that interior strength. And so I, I think the person who prays um, is not is not led into many, many trials. They're, they're spared that, because prayer kind of puts a, a shield of God's love around us. That's true, and I and I think a, another good point is that as you delve deeper into walk humbly with your God, the simple steps to a virtuous life, I noticed that several of the other things that we have to fight against, like judgmental thoughts and 
the power of the tongue, and I heard it through the grapevine, you know, how we are, are we guilty of gossip. Mm. It all seems to have something to do with, with this tongue that we have in our mouths. <laughs> it can really cause us a lot of problems. I mean, whoa. Well, you know, St. Saint, Saint James, is uh, he's very strong on that teaching on the tongue, and he said that, uh, he said, you know, we, we've tamed every kind of creature, you know, flying, you know, can tame a bird, you can tame a... Uh, even they get the they get the um, what are they the fish that uh, dolphins to jump out of the water through a loop mm-hmm. and things like that. So even fish we've been able to tame and we can tame crawling thing you know tame a dog and so on like that creatures like that. But he said we can't tame the tongue. Yeah. Yep. He said and um, he said it's it's like a little rudder of a big ship. Little tiny rudder in the back of that ship can control that whole ship and which direction it goes. Um, you also can. He also said it's like a, a spark of a fire that he said can either maybe light a candle, which is nice, or it can light a, a forest on fire, you know, which is not so nice. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, this is certainly something that um, um, we need to work at is to learn to control our speech. That's why St. Saint, Saint James does say, the person who does not fail with their tongue, in other words, misuse the power of speech, he says that person would be a perfect person, he said. Um, and that's why the, it's hard to get to that point, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. So easy to fall into um, sins whereby we misuse the power of speech that God has given us. Again, I encourage people to pick up a copy of Walk Humbly with Your God because Father Andrew takes not only how you use prayer, but how it can help you to live out the virtues. Because if you can do both of those, then it helps you break open the the greatest, one of the greatest mysteries I think that we have in our human life is to understand why we suffer. It's not just about suffering where you may have, and this is a a horrible one, you know, if you have a, a very serious illness or some calamity, but it's the little things, the personal sufferings that we go through that um, is difficult for us to, to carry on, isn't it, Father? That's true, yes. Um, sometimes it's those little ones that become like a, uh, a little pebble in your shoe and they become very irritating, you know, and uh, um, in, in its own way exasperating to us. But to learn how to accept things from God, it's almost like, you know, Job's words, if we accept good things from the hand of the Lord, um, why do we not accept that which is difficult? You know, and there can be suffering in it. And I remember St. Francis de Sales said, uh, for Job, it didn't matter whether what came was good or or difficult. He said what did matter was that it came from the hand of God. Mm -hmm. And as we learn to be patient and more accepting of some things. I, I always think that a good guide for people to know how to deal with sufferings is the little serenity prayer. Mm. You know, God, give me the patience or serenity to accept the things I cannot change. There are some, you know, you don't keep banging, you don't keep banging your head against the stone wall because the wall will win. Yes, <laughs> right. <It won't. laughs> so we have to accept the things we cannot change. Have the courage to change the things we can. And and that's where, again, we pray to God for the strength to deal with our problems, get through, you know, a student, for example, who has an exam. You know, I don't think praying, well, oh, God, take this exam away. Well, they'll never get through their course, will they? No. Or, you know, Lord, take away this assignment that I have to do of a term paper. Well, you got to do it if it's part of your education. You've got to learn something, you know. So it's better to say, Lord, give me the grace to do this paper. Mm-hmm. Or give me the grace, Lord, to get by this exam because I needed to graduate or I needed to finish this course. See, that's a better approach to prayer. Rather than asking that all of our trials and tribulations be taken away, you know, we learned from the sports world, you know, years ago there was a very catchy phrase, you know, no pain, no gain. Yeah. And, and uh, the athlete was the person, the man or woman who, who um, training, discipline, they, they were learning to endure a certain amount of pain, weren't they? You know, the runner mm-hmm. who's going to run a long way um, is enduring, building their body up to endure a certain amount of pain. If you're going to run the marathon, 
you're going to have a lot of pain at some yeah. point in your running, your legs, your heart, and so on. But you train for that. You you just don't get somebody off the street and say, all right, I want you to run 26 miles. They mm-hmm. probably end up in a cardiac unit or something. You know, mm-hmm. they're just not ready for that. And so, you know, to, to encourage to change the things I can, and of course the wisdom to know the difference. And, and that's where uh, I always remember a very beautiful, very wise prayer of Mother Teresa. She told me, you know, it was a great privilege to know Mother Teresa, and we knew her very well in our community. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, you know, with her little accent, Father, I have a new prayer. I pray to God. If I am doing anything that displeases you, she said, let it fall apart before my very eyes. Mm-hmm. I'd be afraid to offer that prayer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder how much of my life they're going to fall <laughs> apart. Well, we have an example in our own life where we did something uh, almost similar to that, and boy, did he did he blew it up. It was one of those things, well, Lord, if this isn't what you want for us, blow it up. Boy, boom, it was like a nuclear bomb <laughs> dropped on it. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, there, was a, there was an archbishop he wrote on prayer, and he says one of the most dangerous things he said you could ever do is praise, is because God may just take you at your word. Yeah. <laughs> so be careful what you, what you say to the Lord in prayer. Be careful what you promise him, um, but do trust him and love him. Yeah. That's important in prayer. Well, the thing is, too, I got instruction a while ago, and the lesson I learned the hard way, too, is in prayer. Don't make it a bargain. You know, don't say, I'll do this if this happens. Yeah, really. <laughs> don't, yeah, you don't want to bargain with God. But uh, again, Father, I just think it's, it's so important, just the fact that, as you quoted Teresa of Avila, through this prayer and through this virtuous life, you can begin to embrace the cross, because once you embrace your cross, it's no longer a cross. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, see, most of our crosses get their bitterness by the fact that I don't, I don't want it. Yeah. I resent it. Uh, you know, maybe, um, well, for example, give me a practical example. Last night I was flying up from EWTN, and I was leaving uh, Birmingham. I had a direct flight from Birmingham to LaGuardia, you know, and I was supposed to be there by 6.30 in the evening, uh, early or late afternoon. Uh, what happened was uh, there was a lot of rain here last night in New York, so, you know, that flight was canceled. Then I got another flight from Birmingham to Atlanta, and then we got on that plane, and um, it got pulled back from the from the gate, you know. It was a couple hours later than the one I was. In fact, I was, as I was flying to Atlanta, I said if I were on the original flight, I would have been in New York now. Yeah. Wow. So I got later start. We pull out from the gate. And then the pilot got a, a message, you're going to have to just stop where you are and wait a half an hour because too many planes flying in oh. because of the rain. Yeah. And then to top it off, he says, there's a red signal went on. He says, I can't start the motor with this red signal. Oh, no. to be taken all the way back to the gate. Oh, no. So it, was, it was getting later and later and later. And, you know, I realized, just, you know what, accept this. You know, don't get all uh, upset or, as they say, bent out of shape. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what our tendency is, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you just, uh, you know, try to make the best of it. Have something to read and um, make your peace with it, I think. Obviously, I've been trying to work at this for a while, so maybe I've made a little tiny progress with that. But but those are the things that come, and they're very annoying. But, you know, they have the hand of God on them. That's the way I look at it. And God wants me to do that, right? I accept that he's telling you to put up with this, and it's always good for, some, for us to have some reason to help us carry our cross. Maybe there's just to think of somebody in your family who's sick, or maybe somebody who's going through a hard time. Someone may be dealing with drugs, or in a, in a relationship they shouldn't be in, mm-hmm. um, and you want that grace of conversion. Didn't our Lady of Fatima say, pray, offer your sacrifices, by which she meant offer everything you do during the day as a little sacrifice to the Lord, mm-hmm. but then she said, accept the sufferings that come. And, uh, and so these little annoyances are turned really into opportunities of grace by which people can, can truly grow, you know, closer to God. Mm-hmm. And you, you, can't, you cannot accept a cross from Jesus without knowing him more deeply. There's something about that cross. It's, it's frightening when we first come to it, but when you get a little bit near to it, you know, you know who's standing at the bottom of that cross is the Blessed Mother, right. mm-hmm. Saint John, the beloved disciple, Saint Mary Magdalene are there, and very good friends of Jesus get near that. You know, it takes a while though. I'm not, I'm not saying that uh, it's easy for beginners. It's usually not. 
But as you get a little bit advanced, you realize, you know, even even people that just their the wisdom that they come to, you know, and when they're young, they think, well, life is exciting and I'll be here forever and everything will be wonderful. And as you go on through life, you realize, no, that's not what life's all about. There's going to come some turmoil, you know. Um, when you're on a, a flight in the, in the airplane, you're going to have turbulence from time to time. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's part of what you expect on a flight. Well, I wouldn't feel quite as bad on that flight if I knew I had a copy of Walk Humbly with Your God, Simple Steps to a Virtuous <laughs> Life in my backpack, that's for sure. Well, that's very kind of you to, to say that, Kristen. Oh, it is a gem. I know the people that I'm going to be handing these books to, they are going to be so excited, and it's going to feed them. And I just think we have been extraordinarily blessed to have such time with you, Father. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on as your guest, and uh, I, uh, I certainly uh, will pray uh, for your ministry and for those who are listening to you. And uh, if they get a copy of the book, that, that it will help them on their journey. You know, that's, that's what we need. We need, um, as I said uh, in, the, in the show today, uh, but I am a teacher. And I, I do believe that, you know, when people realize what the Lord is asking them and the beautiful things that are really part of our experience, uh, didn't Scripture say, I has not seen ear has not heard, nor has it even entered into the heart of man, what things God has prepared for those who love him. Mm-hmm. And I, as I know as a priest and as a religious, I've been very privileged to come to a lot of, to know a lot, a lot of these things, and I know what it means when people um, receive it. You know, it, it helps their journey, and, uh, and I know that uh, they're going to be happy when they're close to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, Father Andrew Apostoli, again, thank you so much for being with us. And before we let you go, might we ask you to impart your priestly blessing upon us and our audience? Well, Bruce and Chris and all of you who are listening, may Almighty God bless all of you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God love you. Hi, this is Chris McGregor of Discerning Hearts, which is a 501c3 fully tax-deductible nonprofit organization dedicated to evangelization and spiritual formation through the use of new media. Discerning Hearts creates engaging multimedia specializing in podcasts and radio broadcasts, faithful to the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church and its rich, authentic spiritual tradition. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to support our efforts. We charge nothing for any of the programs that are available on Discerning Hearts, and our outreach is literally to the world. Please tell a friend about Discerning Hearts and either download our free apps, which are available at iTunes and Google Play stores, or visit discerninghearts.com.